Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back uh, here at Mississippi State, back in my uh, university setting. I, I always love coming back to Startville and being back on campus. Uh, I first kind of want to give you a little bit of background, so, you know, kind of introduction to who is this guy that, uh, that you're talking with. And a couple of highlights for me, you know, I am a, a graduate of 1989 uh, degree in industrial engineering uh, here from Mississippi State University. I was a member of the Delta Chi fraternity um, here on campus. Uh, at the time, we were off-campus fraternity. We were a little bit of a, some renegades uh, back in the day. I, I did inter-fraternity council. I was a member of the Roadrunner organization um, under Jimmy Abraham. And... Um, I really loved my time here, but unfortunately, I was not a great student uh, while I was at Mississippi State University. I, my grades were not uh, what they should have been, and so I will start off with the, with, with the uh, statement that, uh, that that hurt me early in my career, and, uh, and so I recommend you... Um, Use your time wisely uh, while you're here at the university and, uh, and keep your grades up where you can. I am married. I did marry my wife here of, of 27 years, be 28 in June, Amy Gandy. She, um, she was an uh, English education major herself an EE major to folks and um, but, uh, and um, and you know I'm employed by a company Cisco Systems and I know part of y'all are thinking this is an entrepreneur's class and Cisco is a company that has over 50,000 employees what in the world does that have to do with being an entrepreneur and uh, I will tell you that the design of our company really promotes that entrepreneur spirit um, and I'm also invested in a, in a group of companies and I'll talk to you about some of my successes and failures that I've done um, around that I will say that I have a series of slides and stuff that I will go through with y'all but ultimately I want to make this about what you guys want to hear about if there are things that you say I'm really curious about this experience that you've had raise your hand stop me I want this to be interactive um, and so I'm going to start off by asking you are there things that you want to talk about today that you say I wish you know one of the guys who came to speak to us would talk to us about this anything yeah just yell out career path I will definitely go through that absolutely what else In terms of what? There's a, that's, a, that's a broad subject. <laughs> um, I guess how early stages of your career, or how your school helped your early stages of your career. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? If y'all think of other things, please, you know, please stop me along the way. I, I'm going to do this in two parts. Uh, one, I am going to talk about my path and where I, how I've got to where I am. I'm going to talk about some of the entrepreneurial projects I've been involved in and, and the lessons learned I've done that. And then I really want to talk about the digital economy that we're in today. And, and I think we're in one of the greatest moments of digital transformation we've ever been a part of. And I want to talk to you about what that means. And really, kind of, you ought to get excited, especially if you're in that, in that field. Uh, there's going to be loads of opportunity uh, going forward because uh, we're making incredible advances um, there's my family I can't I can't that's who drives me and I need y'all just to see who they are um, my oldest daughter uh, there's my wife on the end and my oldest daughter she's uh, in graduate school at Yale currently my son who's a junior in high school who is wearing stuff that doesn't match um, and my other daughter who is uh, graduating from a small college in Atlanta called Oglethorpe and is about to go to law school um, but that's who drives me and there I'm here today because they support me and they and they believe in, in, in who I am um, I want to go over a couple of life lessons I learned while I was here at Mississippi State University and it's probably not what you think I learned a lot of these when I was a roadrunner I was a student recruiter at Mississippi State University under the tutelage of Jimmy Abraham who um, if you if you know any of the history he's a legend uh, here in his ability and the first lesson he gave me is be on time to him, he taught the value because he said other people's time is also valuable. And so when you have an appointment, be on time. It sounds simple, um, but I would tell you it's a lost art um, in this day and age. And it will, go, it will do you a long way, go a long way. Know people's names. Um, there's a value in someone's name. And especially as an entrepreneur, as you're trying to win people over to what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to do, it's amazing how they light up the room when you call people by their name. When you, when you speak to them under who they are, it's a simple thing. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a learned art, um, but it, and it takes time, but it goes a long way. Again, be kind. 
be kind. And I would be tell you, I would, I would be lying to you if, if, if people had always been kind to me in my career path and in, in the work that I've done. But those who have, I see doing far greater things than those who haven't. And the last thing I got from Jimmy Abraham is uh, do good things, do good unexpected things. Um, don't always go with the flow. Don't always do what's expected. But go towards the good, but really try and be creative uh, in your approach. Uh, go Again, some simple life lessons that, uh, that I learned here at Mississippi State uh, from uh, Jimmy's class that he had us take when, we were, when I was a roadrunner. Uh, and the last one is be excellent in all you do. Anything worth doing is worth doing with excellence. Um, and I can't say that enough. Anything worth doing is worth doing with excellence. So don't halfway do it um, at all. Uh, let me talk to you about my career path. And it, it is a, a varied one. Um, it started, so out of college, out of here, out of Mississippi State University, I went to work for a company in Huntsville, Alabama called Teledyne Brown Engineering. My first job, I was doing engineering support services to the Department of Defense. I worked on a program called the Forward Area Air Defense Systems, or FAD, and um, I, I did basically whatever the government wanted us to do engineering-wise, we would do. I hated that job hated it. Um, it was the first job. I didn't mind Teledyne Brown Engineering, but I didn't like this job. But it was what was offered to me, and it was my only option. Again, let me go back to my, I wasn't a great student uh, in, in school. I was an excellent interviewer, but I wasn't a great student. And so I used my interview skills to get my first job, and then I had to build off of that career, uh, that job that I really didn't want to take me forward. Um, so... I moved from there and did a couple of other things. I worked for a company called Cass, and then I went and decided that naturally, my natural bent in engineering was actually to move into technical sales um, and do and a technical marketing. I worked for a company called NNL um, Enterprises, and uh, and at that time I sold color graphic systems or what we would call today color copiers. Uh, very expensive at that point in time. The average color copier at that point in time ran about ninety thousand dollars a piece, and um, and so I had a chance to to do a very technical sale. Uh, to get someone to invest at that point in time into a color graphic system was, was a difficult thing. Um, but it allowed me to cut my teeth in, uh, in sales and marketing and learn a lot uh, while I was there. And so and that took me on my, off my path into the, in the world of technical sales and technical sales and marketing, which is where I am today. Um, well, fast forward, I got a couple of roadblocks. I have a company, uh, when I left in, uh, NNL Enterprises, I worked for a company called Sigma Tech, and it was a mistake. Uh, I left uh, NNL too quickly uh, to go to this, uh, this company called Sigma Tech, and, and I will tell you, I, I didn't stay there very long, but it was, it was a mistake. It led me to a, to a fun time. If you remember the, in the 90s when the dot-com era came up, I worked for a company called NetMechanic. Um, and I was director of business development in, uh, on an online web presence that did HTML web validation. And it was a wild ride. It's the best MBA class I ever took. Uh, and the reason it was a great MBA class because it was all about learning to build a business from scratch. We started out with three people, uh, three guys that I was friends with, uh, building a company, working company, and I had to do deal making, I had to do sales, I had to recruit new employees, I had to go meet with uh, with uh, people who wrote press. I had to go to New York to, to meet with magazine folks. It was a it really incredible host of things, and the, uh, the founder of the company is a guy by the name of Jeff Morgan. My first day on the job, he came and handed me a contract and said, hey, I need to go, you go negotiate this with um, Earthlink. And I said, I don't know anything about contract negotiation. He goes, well, read over it tonight, do it tomorrow. And I just had to go do it. And, uh, and the good thing about when you're an entrepreneur and when you're doing things like that is you get a chance to do stuff that you wouldn't naturally do. Um, you wouldn't actually move into when you work for a large company uh, like I work today. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I highly recommend it if, you, if, you, if you're bent that way to go and work for a startup at some point in time in your career. I don't think people can make long-term careers out of it. Um, but it is, it is well worth and you learn so much. You get so much out of it. Um, from there, again, 
some other companies in between. I went into the manufacturing world and began working with, for product manufacturers. I worked for a company called Checkpoint Software Technologies. Um, they did firewall. Uh, I worked for a company called BEA that made middleware software. And then I ended up at Cisco Systems. Cisco recruited me over to come and, and manage their NASA team uh, and, and their NASA account. Uh, today at Cisco, I manage the Air Force team. I manage the entire team of Cisco that calls on the Air Force nationally. And uh, we do, my team is responsible for about, a, I think our goal this year is $168 million worth of Cisco product sales and services uh, to sell into the Air Force uh, across the U.S. Uh, that's kind of where I am um, today. Any questions what I've done that so far? Yeah. It's a great question. Cisco is the longest company I've ever worked for, and I've worked for them 10 years. My shortest company I ever worked for was NNL Enterprises, and I worked for them 10 months. Um, I will tell you, if you look at there, there's 10, 10 jobs up there. I've changed jobs too much. Again, um, I'll just be honest with you. It, um, there were a couple of, of changes that needed to happen, but there were some that I, I did too quickly. I got those two red, two red blocks there. Those were mistakes, and I should have stayed longer where I was before um, um, before I changed the job. I got, I got impatient. Um, I wanted to move up, and, uh, but I would have been better off if I had stayed where I was. Good question. Yes. What about them? What's the um, so I'll, I'll put them in two different ones. Uh, so I left NNL Enterprises because I got scared. I got into this sales game. I mastered it. I did. I was doing very well, and then I said, "Oh, I can't. I can't do this long term." I got scared and went back to my old type of career and job. And again, that was a mistake. I got back over there. I hated it, and I wasn't there at that job very long before I went back into sales. And so it was. It was just. It was out of fear. Um, the other one when I left. Um, uh, and went to Symbol, I needed to leave, it was time for me to leave Checkpoint Software Technologies, but I picked the wrong company to go to. Um, I, didn't, I didn't do my research very well. I didn't, I will tell you all this, when you're looking at companies, make sure you look at this company's culture. Uh, that's very, it, it's going to determine whether or not you're going to be happy or sad uh, at your place. And if you don't do your due diligence to understand what the company's culture is like, um, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna regret it. I'll give you an example. Uh, Cisco's culture is very much in line with who I am. It's a culture of winning. It's a culture of hard work, and it's a culture of fun. And, and all that together makes it, a, you know, it's a, it's a family environment, um, but it, uh, it's a great culture, and I love being there. Uh, and that's why I've been there 10 years, the longest place I've ever worked. Anything else? I want to show y'all a video. And I'm not going to set it up, but it's a scene from an old movie. Um, and, I, and it's... And then I'll talk about why I showed it to you uh, when we're done. I know you're thinking, what, anybody know what movie that's from? Man, Mads, absolutely. It's an old Australian film, uh, The Man from, Ram from Snowy River. And why I love that scene is it exemplifies what it looks like to be an entrepreneur. When you first showed up, you saw a group of people coming in. They were changing after a, 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 a bunch of wild horses. And a group of people came up there and they got to the cliffs and they stopped. 
But for whatever reason, Jim said, you know what? I know I've got the skills. I know I've got the talent. And I know I've got the horse to jump over the cliff and continue on my journey. And when I think of entrepreneurs, that's exactly what entrepreneurs have to do. Everybody else is going to tell you you can't do it. That it's, that it's, it's too hard and, 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 and the journey's too rough. But if you know you've got the skills, you know you've got the stamina, you know you've got the right tools, jump over the cliff. It's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be hard. It's going to be dangerous. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And so I just I want to get that in your mind as we, as we talk through that today um, about what it's like to be an entrepreneur because it takes guts. It takes fortitude. But it also, the difference here is, you know, again, we'll go back to Jim, the, uh, the, the rider that went over the cliff. He trained a long time to be able to do that. And the same way with you, you guys are, are going to take a big leap. But you've worked hard. And, you've, and, and, you've, and you're gathering the skills that you need to go do it. Go hone them and go, uh, and go, and go make, a, make a giant leap, if you will. Let me talk a couple of, of uh, entrepreneur examples that I did. Uh, my first del delved into being a business owner is I, I owned a screen printing company called Rocket Sea screen, screen Printing. I looked around Huntsville, Alabama, and there weren't enough t-shirt makers in town, and there was a local college that was growing at UAH, and I saw, you know, they needed someone to provide t-shirts to them. I could do this as a sideline business. It might help pay for my kid's college. Um, and uh, me and a buddy of mine decided to go into it, and uh, we did our research, we, we bought the equipment, we learned, we went to school, and we were doing it on the weekends, and actually started out pretty good. Um, and then seven other companies decided to do the same thing we were doing. And we didn't have a marketing plan in place. And long story short, um, we went out of business. We were in business two years. And, um, and, and in, the, in the same kind of deal, my, uh, um, I didn't know this at the time, but my business partner was in pretty difficult financial straits, and he declared bankruptcy and left me with the loan. And so I was, here I was, a, a husband and a father with two children at home and a, and, a, and, a, and a business loan debt. And I will tell you, I learned more going through that experience of what it's like to be in business than any class I ever took. I don't want to do it again. I don't. But I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I wouldn't trade that at all. So that's, you know, again, my, my first time I dove over the cliff, I failed. It was a failure. But I learned a lot from it and I moved on. The second time is when I, uh, I joined, uh, I was with a company called Dynetics and we, they, um, they decided to open a reseller arm, a, a, a value-added reseller back in, in right before the dot-com phase began and um, we made relationships with the companies like Cisco Systems, like Checkpoint, like AdTran, like all of these host of technology companies and began selling their products and services uh, throughout the Huntsville, North Alabama market and it was very successful. Um, I got a chance to do a lot of things, and it, which allowed me to go from there to Net Mechanic, where, I, where again I was a part owner of that business in the dot com phase. And, and in that case, it was a again, like I said, it was a wild ride. It was loads of fun, um, and uh, and I learned things along the way. I learned that oftentimes, even though people say you're great, you may not be as valuable as you think you are. So let me tell you, on, on that particular company, that when I first joined that company, that company was valued at about a million dollars. We rose into a valuation of $110 million uh, back in the height. And then in one day, we went from $110 million to being worth two. And then we sold for a million and a half. And that's a wild ride, right? Um, it's a wild ride. And so don't always believe the hype. <laughs> uh, because the valuations at that point in time were just crazy and wrong. Uh, and, and had made no sense whatsoever, which is why the collapse happened. Um, but a good ride nonetheless. Uh, and now I'm a current investor in, a, in an engineering firm called Link Research. Uh, and it's a unique company in the fact that, you know, it's not one that I'm looking to make a lot of money out of, but it's a looking, one I'm looking at to be socially conscious to make a difference. We, uh, we're, 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 we're in a hub zone area. We're in a depressed area of Huntsville. And the goal of that company is to grow it up and provide engineering services and then allow folks that are underprivileged or, 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 or have difficulty or in poverty to work for us in, in different forms or capacities 
60 and then get them out of the cycle uh, of poverty. And so it's a difficult job. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I own about 23% of that business, but it is profitable. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really unique uh, type of deal. I'll stop again. Any questions so far? Yes? How hard is it to do that with Cisco system? How hard is it to do both? It's a good question. So it is, uh, it, it's time consuming. It, there are times there are competing priorities. It requires, you know, um, I don't have a lot of weekend hobbies. Um, I say I'm an entrepreneur on the weekends uh, right now. And so a lot of that time is, you know, when, when someone might be going out playing golf, I may be working on, on business things. So, yeah, but it, it, there, there are times it, 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 there's, there's definitely tension there. Fortunately, with Cisco, uh, and who I work for, I work for a very flexible company. Uh, they encourage me to do things like this. Um, they allow me to, to you know, I, I'm a part owner, which, uh, but they also allow me to be on the board. So they, they expect me to, to, to be able to advise and that kind of stuff. What else? I'm going to move a little bit into, and to talk a little bit about the current day and age and, and what we call living in a digital world. And honestly, you guys probably live this way more than I do because, you know, you, you grew up with one of these, right? I didn't. Um, anybody here without one? Anybody decide to give theirs up? You know, anybody want to live without their computer, without their, uh, without their being connected? Uh, and so in this day and age, we are more connected than anybody ever has been before. Uh, which, thank you, because that's how I have a job. Um, <laughs> the, the reason you have, because you're connected, means you need a network, which means I sell more equipment. Um, but it's important. Virtual reality. We're seeing advances in that technology today more than anything we've ever seen in your lifetime. There are people today that are able to perform surgery remotely and guide people because of the virtual reality uh, that goes on. That can walk and solve problems in the building of buildings as they look through the lens of, of, of virtual reality before they're actually ever built. Looking for, there's just so many unique things and, and which I think for you guys is a great opportunity. You think that what the things you can get involved in, the things you can dream up are limitless when it comes to today's technology. Robotics, another great example, and things that we're, we're, we're putting mundane tasks in, in, into these robots, and these robots are becoming more and more sophisticated. And I will be the first to tell you, it's not taking people's jobs away. It's giving people better jobs and more opportunity. Um, and you guys ought to be the forefront of that as you, as you think through where you, what businesses you want to start and what businesses you want to do. You ever heard of IBM's Watson? What do you know, what's it known for? What's that? Playing Jeopardy. Playing Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, he did the deal and, 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 and no one could beat it. Well, IBM has, has taken that technology and everything that Watson can do and now they're licensing it and allow it to be put on other things. And think about, think about this. A third world country doctor who didn't have access to all of these different medical records but all of a sudden has access to Watson and can ask Watson a question and he can give him reality. And now this guy can maybe perform a surgery he couldn't have performed before because of all the data and all the access he has that he didn't have before. Brilliant, right? What could, how could you harness that into a product? What are things that you might be able to do with that type of technology uh, going forward? You live in an amazing age. We live in a hyper-connected world today, right? Everybody is connected. You know, I, um, I can control my power in my house from my cell phone. I can turn the heat up and down. Occasionally I do on my kids. It really drives them crazy. Um, remotely when I'm on travel. I can, I, I can open my, my garage doors. I can... Um, I can do a, a bank transaction and I can make a phone call, I can provide a video, I can record something. All with one device. Hyper-connected uh, world. But we're unusual, we're in the USA. Is, is everyone that way? No. Not everyone lives the way we do today. In fact, they're estimating there are 5 billion more people that are not connected today. 
Five billion more. So five billion more customers uh, to go out and grab uh, if they can get the internet, if they can get uh, something to them. And so you've got these companies that are doing really, really interesting things. You've got a company called SpaceX that is uh, trying to put uh, satellites in orbit that can provide global coverage of the internet in a fast way. You've got a company... I like Boeing that is looking to uh, to launch uh, again satellite constellations, a network of satellites, so that uh, third world companies, countries can uh, can get internet. Uh, there's this, another company that has a low or high capacity low Earth orbit satellite that is looking to do high broadband. Um, Facebook is doing this, uh, what they call this millimeter wave networking, um, and it's again uh, a, a chance to, to broaden the reach that it can make with other customers. Um, this one's interesting to me. It's a company called Aquila, and they have a series of, of low orbit, low flying planes that they're trying to keep up in the air for long periods of time to provide data connectivity across the country in places where you may not be able to boot towers or where you might not be able to, to run lines uh, to provide connectivity. And the whole the whole goal is, is so that more and more people can be connected. Google is, is trying this with balloons. Cheap, inexpensive balloons, and they send them up by the millions. Again, to provide, to continue to grow that, that, that web. Five billion new customers, new students, new innovators, new inventors, new workers. Can you imagine what difference that makes, what, what that looks like in this world, in this country? What it looks like for you as an entrepreneur, a chance to go and grab um, that type of market. And the revenue possibilities for you as an entrepreneur are endless. Um, as you tap into this this world, um, you know every country, city, or you were all—they're all in this what I call this digital world. And you guys lived it, so you guys don't think of a, of a, of a, a world without it. But I grew up when we barely had a computer. And I've seen great changes. And what I'm going to tell you is that I think what's happening today will totally transform uh, what's happening tomorrow. And it's all because of little sensors. Little things like that, uh, that's in the, uh, in the Apple Watch. Little things that are helping monitor your health. Uh, little sensors that are, that are doing all types of unique uh, things um, there. Cisco and a company called uh, IMD, we, we partnered together and we did a, a survey. We, we, um, we, call, we created a consortium called the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation. The goal of this was, was to go and look and see where transformation was happening. To look and see where possibilities for new technology uh, was coming out. And really to see what is it doing uh, to our business. And where are the threats coming from because of this, uh, of this transformation. Um, and so we went out and surveyed a whole group of, of companies and businesses uh, across the, you know, 90, 941 different business leaders responded uh, to this. And um, I we found it very interesting that uh, when the survey came back, they said four of ten market incumbents will be displaced. So if you look out there, think of ten major companies in a market. And because of the digital transformation, four of them will be gone. Four. Forty percent. Three years, major disruption. Forty-one percent view this disruption as a huge threat to their business model. Can you all think of examples where that's happened? Yes. What's that? Amazon's a huge business disruptor. Who did they put out of business? Well, they, they bought Whole Foods. They didn't put them out of business. <laughs> but they, um, I would say the local independent bookstore took a huge hit because of Amazon's disruption. Um, the other thing that's going on right now, the, my business is getting hit hard by Amazon because of the cloud. They have this new cloud technology that they're going after. And, and there are people buying less of my stuff because they don't want it on campus, they don't want it on premise, and they want to put it on the cloud. In the end, it will probably be a hybrid model there, but it's, it's, it's a huge disruptor. And things are definitely afoot and definitely changing. Um, anybody know the history of Kodak? You ever heard of that company? You know, you know who Kodak is? Kodak was the leader in film photography. They had the market captured. That's who you bought your film for. Um, 
they're actually the inventor of the digital camera right they invented this 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 camera so they were the they were the market leader they so they were they were going to ride the read well so we cisco back in uh, 1996 we went to visit kodak and we told them you know what there's this thing called wireless networking and we think you ought to build wireless network into your digital camera it's going to be huge into what into where it's going to go and they said you know what we don't care about this technology it's going nowhere it's not, it's not going to mount anything. We just did it because somebody found it interesting. And so there's no way we're going to put wireless on that. What happened? Cell phones came about. They embedded the technology of digital cameras into the cell phones. And today, Codex a ghost town. This is the guy who invented, he actually invented the digital camera in 1976. I love the fact there's a cassette tape associated with, with, uh, with that. And it, it grew and grew, and then they lost track of their business, and now where are they? They're bankrupt. They're gone. All because they didn't anticipate the digital transformation. All because they didn't anticipate what was going on in the market. Um, so if you look at what's going on today, and we've actually seen in two years, we've seen companies basically say there is a huge move to, 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 uh, in digital transformation. There is huge impact and, and there are companies that are doing, actively responding uh, to this today. Why do I bring this up to you guys? It's opportunity. It's a chance for you to try and harness what that next, next product, next service um, is going to be. Um, I'm going to skip this slide. Let me ask you a question. If, if we look at these products that we have up here, Facebook, Ford truck, the, 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 the Mars rover that landed on the Mars made by NASA, all of this stuff, what do you think has the most lines of code built into it today? Most lines of software code? What? Who says Facebook? Who's going to say the Boeing 787? Your smart move because that was built back in the 1960s and it hasn't changed much at all. Um, but here's the truth. The Ford F-150 pickup has the most lines of code built into it today. Uh, One million, 150 million lines of code a day. It's, it stunned me when I found this out. Why do you think that is? Because, what's that? And they want to be connected. They want to, be, they want, they, and they want to be a part of, of, of the transformation. They want to see what, what happens, and they know this is what's coming. The amount of data coming out of this vehicle right now is unbelievable compared to where it's been. Unbelievable. If we look at the, the you know, what we call the elements that create opportunity for disruptors, the first one is cost value. Is your disruption lowering the cost of something? The second one is the experience value. Is, is there something going on that makes it a better experience for the customer? Any kind of technology revolution you've gone to that has caused a better experience for you? Anybody taking an Uber recently compared to taking a cab three years early? It's a much better experience. What it takes to get someone to come pick me up now is a click of the button versus trying to hail somebody in New York is a nightmare. Incredible change in dramatically. And then the value of the platform. Are there, are there things going on that provides greater value to the customer, uh, to the consumer, and, to, um, and, and frankly to the business itself? We, we Cisco, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but we're seeing huge disruptive forces changing our business model. We're moving away from a hardware-centric model to a software-centric model because that's where we have to go. The hardware doesn't matter. We, we're getting to where we don't care about the hardware. You can use any hardware you want. We know the value for what we do is in our software and your ability to program it. So, for you, advice. Create a better experience for customers and workers, and you'll succeed. Create a better experience for customers and workers, and you will succeed. I went over Uber. I'll give you an example. I, I, I was just the other day, I travel a pretty good bit for my job, and I, um, I went into a town, I got to the airport, 
and I did a search. So I, I'm, I usually stay at uh, it's, it's Sheraton Properties, and so I said, let me look and see where my Sheraton is. And immediately, a little app came up and said, can I get you an Uber? Press this button. So I pressed that button, and all of a sudden, an Uber came and took me to my room. It was easy. It was simple. Very intuitive technology. Think about connected cities, connected services inside your city, local city and state government. What if all you had to do to get a building permit was click a button? I recently built a house, and um, it was not easy. I had to go to the variance board. I had to take my plans to the city government. I had to get this approved. And it was really a difficult process. It shouldn't have been. It should have been automated. I need you guys to fix that. Um, Finances. Think about that, how, how much easier it should be in finances. It should be a click of the button. They, should, they got all my data. All of your data lives um, on the credit boards. Why do I need to, why do I need to fill out these long, drawn-out, uh, old, antiquated forms? It ought to be automated. It ought to be easier. Think about if, if in your hotels, if you didn't have to go to the desk anymore, you, said, you had a wireless sensor that said, hey, Todd's here. Would you, could, would you like me to sign your room? I pressed a button, and they give me a room. All this kind of stuff is possible because of the new connected reality. Automotive, what if your car told you when it was about to break down? What if, it, what if it warned you that your timing belt was about to go? Wouldn't that be great? What if it, what if it said, don't take this car on a trip? It's only got about a thousand more miles before it's going to break down. And you could do preventive maintenance. All that stuff is possible. That's the other reason you, you see Ford's, all the lines of code in the Ford car is trying to keep, to, to one, they want you to come back to their dealerships to get your car repaired. And the way that happens is by um, what they do. A couple of other examples of unique companies going on. There's a, there's a company right now that, uh, and I hate to use the word, given the whole thing with Tide Pods recently, that <laughs> all the people eating it. But um, there's a thing that will automatically order your Tide Pods for you. When, you, when it's running low, it'll go to Amazon and, re, and, and send you a reorder, and then it just shows up. I don't even have to think about it. Um, what if, you're, what if when your toilet paper was running low, you pressed a button and it, and it, and it ordered you a new set of toilet paper? Data is a fuel for digitization. And using and analyzing and measuring that data that you need uh, to digitize your stuff will take you far in this world. Um, there's a company out in California that is... Uh, basically making it so you don't have to worry about feeding meter for parking. It has a sensor there. You roll over the sensor and your phone comes up and it says, would you like to pay for this parking? You press yes and it takes care of it. Pretty cool, huh? There's a pill bottle that um, has a wireless sensor on it for old people that will automatically reorder, reorder and keep up with how many drugs they should be taking. And if they take too many, it notifies their doctor. Um, so that they're, uh, so that, you know, again, providing health risks and things. I, this company really, really cracks me up. So, cows. What are you going to do with technology and cows? I mean, you know, it's just, they're just out in the field. Well, they found out, this company did, found out that cows um, sometimes struggle giving birth. And the key for, for, for any, any uh, rancher is to make sure they maximize the number of livestock that they reproduce in a given year. And so you want to make sure that they're with the, the cow when the birth happens so they can help it along the way and make sure they increase the number that survive. Well, they found out that a cow does this weird thing with its tail right before it gives birth. So this company designed a sensor that would send off an alert to say, hey, the tail's doing its thing. Go check on that cow. Amazing, right? But that's the type of stuff that's going on in this day and age. Um, uh, I, again, we hit vehicles already. Here's an interesting one. Napa Valley in the wine country. Their goal is, is to make the greatest, nicest, sweetest smelling wine. Well, they figured out there's a formula to that. There's a, a perfect amount of rainfall. There's a perfect amount of sunshine. And they've got these sensors trying to optimize all that. And based on what type of um, activities have gone on during that year will tell them what type of wine they need to make with it. And it's, it, it really, they, they, they've tried, so the goal is so they can get the best tasting wine for the least cost of money uh, and get the most value out of the room. They, they can do these charts based on the data that they have. Um, and so for this group, they need to make Chardonnay. For this one, they need to make Riesling. And it, it's really based on data collection 
optimizing that data and then coming up with an app um, that tells them how to, how to take care of that. I'm going to skip the inhaler one. It's a little long way, but it's, it's an interesting one in the fact that uh, this inhaler company has put GPS sensors on there and they can find out if all of a sudden the people who have their inhaler are using it more often and they can go and look and see if there's something in the atmosphere that's causing it. They found out one time that uh, their, their absent patients had a spike when the ships rolled in. Well, come to find out the ships were carrying some type of product that produced some type of ash that promoted, promoted asthma. And so they got the ships to start taking more care so that it, less of that went in the air. A whole host of industrial systems. Smart buildings is another example of, of making these buildings, one, that one, use energy efficiently, but also keep track of equipment, keep track of where people are, uh, give you uh, risks of, of uh, different types of uh, intrusions, if you will. Um, and it can all be done easily, automated, and save money. Again, a place for opportunity. Videos as a sensor, interesting, the incredible technology of facial recognition. You know, Facebook, I guess, I mean, Apple has done that now with their new iPhone uh, 10. Um, but we're seeing a huge value in that, and um, to try and decrease theft in stores but also uh, for entrance in, you know, to try and cut down the number of security needed in buildings. Um, just a whole host of things, uh, video. Self-driving cars, that's an interesting uh, thing to talk about. Google's got one. Anybody want to ride in one? Yet? I'm a little, it scares me a little bit at the moment, it does. But those things, here's the thing, I'm, 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 less, I'm more concerned about the data it produces and less about the self-driving. I think they're gonna figure out how to make this car drive itself. But the cars themselves are constantly in keeping up and there's tons of data that they pick up. Think about the applications for what use of that data. Let's say if you're in a busy city and you need to find a parking place. Well, a self, I guarantee you some self-driving car in that city has seen it and can say, well, it's on this deal, and two minutes ago, it was free. Go over there. It's the closest one for you. Uh, there's a whole lot of sensors, and they're, they're collecting this data. Do you know how much data those, those cars collect in a given minute? Four terabytes of data a minute. It's a lot of data. A lot, four terabytes a minute. Can you imagine? What are you going to do with that data? Where are you going to store it? How are you going to use it? How are you going to optimize it? How are you going to make it useful? Well, that's for you guys to figure out. It's for, you, it's for you guys to figure, again, loads of opportunity. Um, I, will, I, will stop, I, will, I will probably stop here. There, I can go through a whole host of these deals. My point here is, is that you're in the midst of one of the greatest opportunities to be an entrepreneur that there's lived. I think it, I think it you know, back when the dot-com phase was a great time to be a great entrepreneur. And you saw the likes of Amazon. You saw the likes of eBay come out of this. You saw our company. Uh, our company was actually founded in 1984. Founded out of Stanford University by a guy who worked in the computer lab. Who saw an opportunity, spent the time, worked for the university to come up with a patent. And the next thing you know, we're a, a multi-billion dollar company uh, out of Stanford. For you, it's a chance for you to, to, to do great things. And so I hope I, I've had a chance to kind of tickle your fancy, inspire you a little bit. And now I just want to ask you what questions you got. What, can, what else can I talk to you about? Because I've run my mouth too long. Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Yes? What's the best way of coming Great question. I, so there's two things that I would recommend, um, and is uh, one is um, never stop believing there are threats. There's always threats, so you've got to constantly be reinventing yourself into who you are. Um, and and the and the second one is uh, do your research. I mean, we, we, have, we have a whole team of folks that is out there looking for what the next big wave is going to be. We've been surprised. There are certain things that have surprised us. Um, we as a company are known for, are not known for, uh, for being the first guys to market. We are known for being the second. Because we usually go and acquire the technology from by buying somebody or we go and, 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 uh, and base, build on what the technology that just got introduced. Yes? Oh, great. Good question. So, 
One, becoming really good at interviews takes practice. And so it, 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 seem, it seems awkward and it seems weird, but do research, go online, look up the, there's lots of interview questions online, and sit down with somebody, let some play, role play. Um, you only get, you only get better, uh, better by practice. Learn to have good conversations. Um, half the interview process is, is being willing to converse and talk intelligently. And, and the other thing is, anytime I go to an interview, I do my research on the company. I, I look, if I know who, my, who I'm interviewing, I go and look, you know, there's, look, you could search me today and find a lot of information about me, whether it be Facebook, whether it be LinkedIn, whatever that may be. And, and you will, you could bring up topics um, that would pick uh, interest me. I'll give you an example. I interviewed a, a young woman last week. Her name was Emma. And Emma was interviewing for a job that, frankly, she wasn't qualified for. And she, she didn't have the number of years of experience. But she did her research. She knew how to have a conversation with me. And she asked very, very good questions. And although she didn't get the job she was interviewing for, I looked at her and said, the minute I have a job that fits your skills, I'm hiring you. Because you, you, you knocked this one out of the park. So... Yeah, good question. What else? Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I read a, n a number of, uh, you know, I read Inc. Magazine, I read the Wall Street Journal. I, um, you know, I, I you know, Google is a, uh, definitely another one as well. There's a couple of blogs that I, um, I follow. I have to go and look up their names. And, and, and my company's very good about making sure I'm up to speed on some of that stuff. But good question. Thanks. It's a great question. So when we set out that company, we basically said the first thing we have to do is we have to provide a good product. And so that's, got, that's our number one goal. If we don't provide a good product, we're not going to be able to have extra money to help people. Um, and then and, and we knew we couldn't, uh, we couldn't do it all. And so we set aside a percentage of profits for that. And, and we haven't wavered because we just knew that we had to, we got to put a percentage back in the company and then we can put a sense to invest back in people. Cisco's done the same thing. Cisco's actually a very good corporate citizen. We have a foundation that uh, where we're willing to help people uh, and they'll match, you know, up to... Uh, up to $10,000 a year, um, they'll let me donate to anything that I think uh, uh, worthy as long as it fits within their, their criteria. Uh, so it's the same kind of deal. What else? Yes? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I ask about, you know, uh, I typically always ask what a day in the life looks like, um, you know, for, for work and what that kind of looks like and, you know, and what it, uh, you know, what the, I don't know if I put it in terms of culture, but I usually ask some question about, you know, what is, uh, you know, what, what's the camaraderie like, you know, how, you know, these people get along, what, you know, what does it look like to, to work here? Uh, usually people are pretty honest. Um, uh, around that, but it, uh, and then the other thing I do is I, if, if especially if I know people that have worked there, you know, I, I make phone calls. Um, I'll, you know, and then there's a couple of websites that are pretty good about giving you some insights um, into, especially if they if they're if a large company like ours, will tell you kind of what's like to work there, what's you know the negatives, the positives, those kind of things. But yeah, do your research though; it, it it'll pay dividends, and and it might keep you from going someplace and hating it. Um, if I'd have done my research with, uh, uh, if I'd have talked to a couple of employees with a company I went to called Sigma Tech, I'd have never gone. Um, but all I talked to was the president who, who sold me, who won me over. Um, yes? Is there some kind of optimum timing that you figured out with your experience for getting into a company? I mean, it seems really bad about the screen printing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked good on paper at first, didn't it? Would you would you have done it that you would go back and do it again, or would you say I really should have watched where I was in my life before I did it? So, so it, two things on that one. Um, I made a poor decision in my partnership, 
And so, although he and I were friends and I thought everything was working, I didn't do my research with him uh, how financially sound he was. And, 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 and y'all know the old adage, the, the, the number one killer of good businesses, cash flow. And, uh, and he, didn't, he didn't have the margin for us to, uh, to go um, to not be successful, we didn't have the mar- he didn't have the margin to put to invest any additional when it didn't go as planned. Um, so that was that was a, a mistake. And the other one is we probably should have done some more market research to kind of, and then we would have probably seen that this company was up and coming in the town, or this company was up and coming in the town as well. So good question. You can't do enough market research, by the way. At some point, though, you got you got you got you to pull the bandaid off and just go. What else? Somebody in the back. There. Y'all, y'all are quiet. All right. Anyone? Yo, sorry. How did I cope? Well, that's a good question. Um, so, go back to the adages that I learned at Mississippi State. Whether you like it or not, I, I learned, I, you know, it was drilled in me to be excellent in what I did. And so I knew that if, in order to be successful, I needed to, I needed to be at this job two years. And so I needed to go and power through and do, and do a good job and, and then build relationships. Because, you know, again, out of that first job, I did, I did make some relationships that got me my second job. Um, and so, but if I had done, but if I just done nothing and just uh, and been just miserable uh, it wouldn't have gone well uh, for me um, and I had a wife that was pretty supportive to encourage me to say hey it's gonna be okay there are bigger things in your job um, and, and, then, and then I found you know I, I did try and find things that I liked about it so I found small little projects and tasks uh, that I like to I really liked my customer themselves and so I tried to put myself in front where I was doing more business development types of things and less uh, engineering type work so you know again it, it was difficult though it was a tough two years um, but it was a right it was a right move uh, that at least I, don't, I can't speak for it now, but it, but in, in that my day and age, if you weren't in a job two years, they looked at you and said, "Okay, they fired you. You just put it on your resume that you know, you know, you couldn't hack it." So, good question. Anyone else? The entrepreneurship class has a back channel where they can ask questions and vote them up and down. So uh, I'll throw you a couple that were on there. I love that. Yeah. Um, one is a bunch of people were asking, "What made you choose industrial?" Oh, great question. I got asked that earlier today, too. So I started out as a, as a double E major. Uh, I took my first class in uh, circuits and, <laughs> and hated every minute of it. <laughs> and thought, you know, I can't, I can't go through three more years of this. Uh, so honestly, I left industrial engineering and went into communications. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a knee-jerk move. Um, I was in communications for a semester. You know, my, my dad did. He, he didn't say you've got to go back to engineering, but he looked at me and said, he taught me through, and he was very good, you know, mentor for me to say, no, you've got the skills to be an engineer. I know you'll probably move into management. I know you've got the gifts, some some other skills as well. Um, and he was an industrial engineer, and so I looked at industrial engineering, and I really liked simulation. I really liked uh, statistics and 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 the management side of industrial, and I liked the broad view. Of, of the uh, of the product building process that industrial engineers do, and so that's what took me to industrial engineering. Why I chose it. It's, it's it's probably more of a general engineering field than it is so specific like a chemical or a or a mechanical or a, uh, a double E. Although the funny thing is, I probably hire more double E's than I do anything in in my um, in my current job because of the nature of the business I'm in. Great question. So I have, I, I, I'm, a, I'm torn. And so I have two things about it. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of over-government regulations. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of letting Comcast uh, run my, the speed of my internet. Um, so, or the other, other, or AT&T or Verizon or whoever that may be. Um, so I probably tend to fall in, let the, let the internet run free. Um, However, um, as long as it doesn't stifle growth, 
And so if there's something about that, that, that by letting it just go free and open, um, and, there's, and there's somebody who's, who's getting more than their fair share as an individual on that, I probably would want to do a little regulation around that. So that's my, you know, we, we as, as a company came out and said that we are, um, we're for net neutrality, net, net neutrality um, and don't think we should uh, allow um, somebody, businesses to have a greater access to the to the internet than individuals. Uh, question to asking, you know, with the wide range of Cisco's products, <laughs> is there anything that you're most excited that Cisco's doing now? Most excited? Okay, so if I if I look at our at our portfolio, um, there are two things that I really um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, to doing. The first one is uh, what we've done in the server market. It's a market that we only entered into um, three and a half years ago. We started at the bottom and now we're uh, considered number two in the market just under HP. And I love the technology advances we're doing there. I love the technology advances we're doing in the hyper-converged computing space, um, which is uh, basically it's a, it's a box that's mostly storage and doing heavy transactions it's uh, it's 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 revolutionizing what you can get out of a system quickly um, and then the other thing that I'm, I'm excited about I'm excited about us moving into a software centric deal where we're where we're decoupled from the hardware I think that'll open up a whole new field of, of, of things for us to sell uh, we did a deal recently with GM where all they did was buy our software um, and, and they're going to run their IT system on our software, and we're not concerned about what the hardware they choose to use. So it's pretty cool. Um, I will tell you, and, I, and what scares me? Amazon. Amazon Web Services scares the daylights out of me. Um, uh, because they're doing they're doing some really really interesting things um, in that uh, in that deal, and it's very sticky. When someone gets on that type of, of, of cloud services, getting off of it is very difficult. Uh, and so it hasn't they haven't done it yet. They haven't taken part of my market share away, but it has. They're on my radar to make sure that they don't. So. Security is the other thing that scares me. Um, yeah. Anything else down there on the back web? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. So, a couple questions about what your typical day at Cisco looks like. Oh, wow. So, I, I probably didn't tell y'all, uh, I, I manage 10 salespeople and 10 uh, indirect engineers. So, they don't report to me directly, but they do fall under my purview. If well, I have a business partner uh, who manages the engineers. Um, and so, a typical, um, I'll probably do it, a typical day in the life revolves around um, having conference calls uh, on, on so whatever the latest big deal that we're trying to work on uh, is uh, and where we are in the closing process. Uh, advising an employee, uh, a young employee on, on career path work. Um, meeting with customers and solving problems, whether we've had delivery issues, whether we've had things that have broken down, um, whether we're trying to get our, 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 our customer service team to fix a software problem. Um, I'm using one of those deals. And then, it, and then looking at, uh, at where we're going and where we are as a, as a team and, and what's coming in for the week. And so at the beginning of the week, I have to call a number. Um, I, I basically tell my, my management team that we're, we're going to bring in this amount of dollars this week. And that, that ranges, um, you know, my number for the year in product sales is $232 million. You divide that by uh, 52 weeks divided by five days, you can guess what my typical week looks like. We, we, we average, you know, uh, anywhere from... Uh, my, a low week for me is a couple of million dollars in business. A high week for me could be 25 million. Um, and so, you know, I'm, but I call that at the beginning of the week, and then we drive through to the end of the week to, to see that we get there. Uh, and then we do it all again the next week, and then we, we, and then we, 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 we evaluate how we did on, based on a quarter basis. Um, and then we report to the street, and they come back and tell us how we did. Uh, and then we do it all again. Uh, our, we have a weird physical year. We run August to July. 
The good part about that is, if you're ever in sales, you'll realize this, is that I have a Christmas. Uh, because our, 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 our year doesn't end during the Christmas holidays, and so I don't have to work at Christmas. In fact, we shut down the week between Christmas and New Year's. The bad part about that is I don't have a 4th of July. Because uh, it's, the, it's the end of our year. And we're usually really, I mean, I get the 4th of July off, but it, I don't take long vacations then. What else? We got to be at the end of our session. I can talk as long as I want. So, that'll be good. Thank. Hey, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, what do you think the, the uh, Amazon automated uh, what's the word I think it's. A, I think. I think what they're doing in the grocery market is very disruptive and very interesting. Uh, I think it could go a long way if they can make that technology where that technology that they're using still has a little ways to go. I don't know how accurate it is. Um, but if it works, it's again, it's again a, a game changer. To, the ability to go in and just grab a few products and have it charged to your credit card without... Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm a big, I mean, Amazon Web Services scares me, but, you know, what they've done for, for product purchasing is amazing. Uh, and, and it's, um, you know, I'm, I, you know, we just went through Christmas. I probably purchased 75% of what I bought for Christmas on Amazon. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, I didn't see you over there. Apologize for my back to you. I do. I, I have a top secret clearance. Um, it took me a year to get it. Um, I, I, it. But it's funny. I have it to get access to facilities, but I don't. I don't read top secret documents necessarily. I have an engineer who does. Um, but yeah, you do have to have a have a clearance. Uh, um, but mostly. Is for access, especially after 9/11, it became more and more important uh, because they they locked down a lot of those government buildings, uh, and most of the most of the things that I go to are, are only require secret clearance, and I have a top secret clearance for two customers that we have. We have a we have a customer that does nuclear uh, stuff, uh, controls the nuclear arsenal that uh, requires a top secret clearance for me to get in that facility. Anything else? All right, thank you, guys. You've been fun.